0: Welcome to the Grace City, Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Colossians 4.2. Colossians 4.2. This is the final week of our series, The Devoted Life. We've taken the last four weeks to explore the book of Colossians with a very broad brush, a chapter a week. We've been given a very broad brush for this thing. And I want you to hear me today. The goal of everything we do from this platform is to inspire, equip, and empower the believer to have their own self-sustaining relationship with Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus and make more disciples. We are not going to be the end all. I'm not here to feed you a meal so you can feel full for the rest of the week. I'm here to inspire, equip you with the right tools, help us come together under one mission and go and be the church. Is that okay? And so I just encourage you, even this next week, go ahead and dive into the book of Colossians for yourself. As you've heard it from the platform in the last couple of weeks, I would encourage you to hear it for yourself. What does God wanna to speak to you individually in this next season? Take the next four days, read a chapter a day, let it just settle in and be challenged and equipped in it. So Colossians 4:2 says this. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open the door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. The title of my message today is Making It Count. Making it count. We're talking about making your life count for the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you're speaking to us. We thank you that it encourages us and inspires us to be more like you. So help us today to have soft hearts, broken mindsets. We come in fully ready to receive. Change us from the inside out. Help us to be your hands and feet. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. In the passage that we just read, Paul is giving this charge to the believers in Colossae. See, he desires for them to be people that are taking advantage of every single moment. Right before Colossians 4.2, Paul is really addressing how other Christians, other believers should operate together and how the family unit should look. And if you need some advice on that, I'd encourage you to read that. And then he jumps over and changes topics very drastically in Colossians 4.2, and he begins to focus on the importance of how we are to live our lives and how we are to make our lives count. I love this idea of making every single moment count. It really got me thinking how easy it is in my life to waste moments, to wish away opportunities, to say that I'll do stuff later. Anybody else? To wait on things. And then some days I'll be sitting there on social media as you do, and I'll see some influencer come along and ask this very abrasive question. What if you only had one day left to live? Have you ever heard that question before? What if you only had one day left to live? When you hear that phrase, it causes you to do something you don't often do every day. Something you forget to do when maybe you're hungry, hurting, angry, lazy, tired. We forget to do this simple thing. Something we forget to do is think about what we truly value in life. We do it in just moments when we're maybe setting goals or aspirations for what we wanna do. When we maybe have a break or a vacation, we can think about those things, but when you are asked that question, you go down to the baseline of what you truly value in this life. Not what you desire, not what brings you momentary fulfillment. If you only had one day left on this earth, what would you do? You're not thinking about what's the next new Netflix show you could be binge watching. You're not thinking about even eating food or drinking water. You're not thinking about taking a nap because you're tired from work. You're not thinking about all the things you gotta do around the house to stay busy. See, for me, when I think about what I truly value, I know that if I had one day left to live, I would first of all make sure that I'm in good standing with my heavenly father. And then from there, I would spend every last moment with my family, reminding them of how much I love them, telling them stories of what God has done in my life, encouraging them and telling them that I believe in them. And every other person I encountered, I would make sure that they knew Jesus. What do I truly value? What do I truly value? I know this seems so intense to start this way, Yet for some reason, we all live with the mentality that tomorrow is promised and that we can just choose pleasure over purpose, that we can choose Netflix over need. We can choose sleep over servanthood or maybe food over faithfulness. And I believe this today, that excuses rob us of experiencing the fullness of the life that God has given us. Excuses rob us of this. And the bottom line of this whole thing is to understand that we have to live every day with the urgency of what we truly value. We have to live every single day with that kind of urgency. Proverbs 27 one says, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring. Come on, tomorrow is not promised. I even love what Mother Teresa says. She says, yesterday is gone. Tomorrow has not yet come and we only have today. Let's begin. We have to live every single day on this planet making it count. Turn to the person next to you and say, making it count. So Paul is writing this letter to the Colossian church. And he concludes in his writing with this curious set of passages that I believe will help us to put our priorities in the right place and make it count. Not only does Paul have the urgency at the end of the letter to tell people to live devoted lives, he also writes these verses that lay out some of what it looks like to live out that devoted life. See, first he talks about the power of prayer and what it means for your life. Then he talks, then he asks them for prayer in all that he's doing. And lastly, he reminds them to shine the light for Jesus and make the most of every opportunity. So I want to dive into those sections just a little bit now. Is that okay? Get a little bit teacher on you. Colossians 4, 2 says this: Devote yourselves, I want to say devote yourselves, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. These are the last words he's gonna say to the Colossian church. He's not even gonna meet them face to face, yet he wants to say to them, listen, listen, at the end of it all, making the most of every opportunity. Be devoted to prayer, be watchful, and be thankful. Let's dive in. Devote yourselves to prayer. Luke 18:1. I love this. It says, they should always pray and not give up. I think this is the directive for us as believers. We should be living in prayer. See, Paul understands that prayer is the test and the breeding ground for our spiritual understanding of what faith looks like. Prayer is the test of it. If you can pray to a God that you can't see, you are stepping out on ground you can't see. You are stepping out in faith, acknowledging the existence of God, acknowledging his lordship over your life. Prayer is the testing ground and the baseline for what a life of faith looks like. I truly believe it. See, it takes our eyes off the physical reality and places it in the spiritual reality. Paul doesn't just want Us to pray, but he also says, devote yourselves to it. Devote yourselves to it. The Greek word for devoted actually means to persist. And that word persist means to continue in firmly despite of opposition. Oh, man. Despite of opposition, we continue in firmly. I can think back to a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who persisted in their faith to still worship the one true God, regardless of the opposition. I can think back to Daniel when he was told that he could no longer pray to his God, yet he still would open up his windows, kneel down at the same time like he always did, and he would pray to God. It's a devotion to prayer. It's a persistence to prayer. Prayer. See, being devoted to something is a conscious decision. This isn't a fleeting emotion. This isn't when I need to. Man, how many times are all of us guilty of that? that we only pray to God when we need something, when we want something, when it seems natural. How I many of you've been out to eat. It doesn't feel natural to pray before your meal. Ah, oh, the waiter's there and people are right there. It's like, ah, it doesn't feel natural. Come on, we gotta be devoted to prayer persistent in prayer, regardless of what's taking place around us. We've got to be devoted to it. First Thessalonians 517 says, pray without ceasing. I love that. How do we do that? God isn't something that we do in this life. He is who we are becoming like. He's everything. When We talk about our values, like what do we value? God isn't on the list. He is the list. We can't put God in a box like that. Right? We have to understand. How do you pray without ceasing? He's everything. He's in your marriage. He's in your kids. He's in your bank account. He's in the chair with you right now. He is everything. Every breath you breathe, he is there. How do you pray without ceasing? Every moment you're aware that God is with you, that he is for you. See, because when your heart and your mind are set on the right things, now we can become aware of what God wants to do and where he's leading us. So he says, be devoted to prayer and be watchful. So this idea of being persistent and being watchful comes in. And that word watchful in the Greek actually means to stay awake and to keep watch. I think this is one of those verses that we can read at the end. It's kind of like Paul's concluding, so we just kind of get through it and we forget, and we neglect the power of what he's saying right here. We can so easily check the prayer box and move on to the next thing, yet Paul says, be devoted to prayer and being devoted to being watchful. See, Matthew 26, 41, Jesus says to his disciples, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is Week. So he's helping them to understand, listen, I've told you, you need to be up, you need to be praying, you need to be aware, and you need to see, be, a, be attentive to what I'm doing in these moments. And I also love Matthew 24, 42. It says, therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day our Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house been broken into. So you must also be ready. Because the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Come on. There's power to our watchfulness. It helps us to avoid temptations of, of the momentary. And it helps us to keep our eyes fixated on the eternity that's in front of us. There's power to us urgently staying awake in this life. And I believe there's something that is powerful. When we pray, we engage with the spiritual and now we can have watchful eyes through the spiritual rather than the physical. And I'm so guilty of that, where I think through the physical. So often I think of my surroundings. Oh, this is so hard. The waves of life happening around me. When in reality, he's saying, listen, set your eyes, set your mind on what it should be on. And when you're watchful on that, then your heart can be set on eternity. I remember learning how to drive. I was about 15 years old when I got my learner's permit. And my dad would take me to these mountain passes. You had to log so many hours in Washington. I don't think Florida drivers have to log hours because it's pretty insane here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they just let anybody drive. You're, oh, yeah, you're 14? Go for it. <laughs> you got hands? Yep, yeah, go, go for it. But, um, I remember going on this mountain pass. We grew up in the mountains and so my dad would teach us on these passes and we'd be going around and, and when I first learned how to drive, I would go around like I'm a sitcom driver. You know what I mean? Like I'm like doing like the driving in the scene. I'm going around jerking around the corners and the whole car is shaking as I'm going like 60 miles an hour around these corners. And my dad stopped me. I remember this moment so vividly. He goes, Alex, stop looking at the front of the car. Keep your eyes far enough out on the road or on the car in front of you and let your peripherals do the rest. And that's exactly what happened. We're driving, I start just following. Perfect, smooth corners, you know what I mean? I'm a NASCAR driver at this point, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Perfect, smooth corners, I could do anything at that point because I got my eyes set on what they should be set on. And I think so, so often in life, we're just so focused on how am I gonna pay that bill? How am I going to get, How am I going to get to the end of this work day because I have that meeting and i 'm just so stressed out of it and we 're thinking about all of these things and we 're just wandering in this place when God is calling us to keep our eyes fixated on what 's to come, fixated on His return, fixated on an eternity with him, our eyes should be fixated, and the peripherals will take care of themselves the provision will come, the hope will come. The moments you don't understand, you'll make it through it. Why? Because you know where you're going regardless of the storm you're in. Are you with me today, church? We have to be watchful. We have to make it count. See, our watchfulness enables us to see where God is leading and what he's doing. And it enables us to see the plans and the schemes of the enemy. So lastly, Paul says, to be thankful. So to be devoted to prayer, be watchful, and be thankful. It's a part of our devotion. You want a devoted life? Be devoted to prayer. Be devoted to being watchful. And be devoted to being thankful. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances. Say, all circumstances. all circumstances. Turn to the person next to you, say, all circumstances. all circumstances. Turn to the other person and say, even that one you were just thinking about. All circumstances. All circumstances. Every single one. Be thankful. Come on, we should be grateful. I really believe that if we're ungrateful for what we've already been given, we don't actually deserve to get more. So, this heart posture of being thankful, devoted to being thankful, keeps us in the right heart posture that God gets the credit and the glory for every single thing. Come on, we gotta give credit where credit is due. You got breath in your lungs, we're giving credit. You got food in your belly, we're giving credit. You had coffee this morning, we're giving credit. Gas in your car, money in your bank, whatever it is, we're giving credit. When I was a kid, I distinctly remember the conversations before we go into people's houses for dinner, and my parents would always stop before we go inside, and they say, listen, when they give you food, you say, thank you. Right? If you wanna ask for more things, you say, please, right? And they would always say this to us and it was ingrained inside of us. And this one day, my mom took me over to my friend's house and she was eating there too. And we sit down and this was the house I was terrified to go to because the mom always made us eat just the worst things. I remember sitting at this table and all of a sudden she's in the kitchen, just like prepping this thing. And I see some cream cheese and some pickles and some other things. And she brings out these little sleeping bags of death, right? They're like, it's like a pick a little pickle with cream cheese wrapped in ham. Like who wants that? You know what I'm saying? Like where's the rest of the meal? And my mom just grabs two of these little death sleeping bags and puts them on my on my plate. And what do I say? Like begrudgingly, "Thank you." It's ingrained in me. I sat there and I ate these nasty little things. Still to this day, once a week, I make those little, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I remember when we got back in the car, my mom turns around and she goes, Alex, I am so proud of you. I was like, what? She said, you said thank you, even though that was terrible. And she said, let's go get some McDonald's. You know what I'm saying? Nothing better than a little Mickey D's, you know, Mickey D's for the win. Thanksgiving puts you in the right hearted spot to live in the fullness. Thanksgiving is giving credit where credit is due. And I truly believe that when you approach God with Thanksgiving, it opens the door to him to pour out more blessing on you. If you close the door by not being thankful, why would you get more? It's all about your heart posture. Is your heart in the right place? Are you giving credit where credit is due? God just wants to lavish you with the blessing. He is our provider. He takes care of every single need. It says says in his word that he will clothe the flowers of the field, right? How much more does he care for you? He feeds the birds. How much more does he care for us? Come on, we gotta give credit where credit is due, amen? My prayer time every morning starts the same way. I start by acknowledging God. I say, good morning, Holy Spirit. I ask you to come upon me afresh and anew and empower me to do your will today. And then the next five minutes is always five minutes of Thanksgiving. Thank you for today. Thank you for blood in my veins. Thank you for breath in my body. Thank you for health. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for my wife. I name people by name. I I look at our bank account. I thank God that we have enough money to buy some groceries. Stuff like, you know what I mean? I take moments of thanking God. And I think that that really comes from Psalms 104, where David writes, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and go to his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. This should be our heart posture of every moment of every day. Come on, we got to be devoted to prayer, we got to be watchful, and we have to be thankful. So Paul continues to give his encouragement to the church in Colossae. And I'm going to invite the band up as I take a little bit longer of a conclusion. Colossians four, verse three, it says this, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Can we stop there for a second? I know there's some commotion happening, but I want us to focus on this for one second. Paul says this, pray for the message and pray that we can proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Do we see this today? For which I am in chains. This is one of the most powerful moments of selfless leadership we can see in the word in a setting where Paul should have been complaining about being in jail for the gospel. He should have been bragging to others, look how hard I've been going for the gospel. No, Paul says, pray that the door will be open for the gospel. He says, I don't care what situation I'm in. I simply desire to make my life count for the gospel. Now I know not everything in scripture is for application. But this passage really got me thinking, I wonder how many times do we focus on the situation over focusing on the mission? How many times do we do that? I think I do it every single day. I'm guilty of focusing on the situation rather than focusing on the mission. And in reading this, I recognize how selfish I can be. When I pray, I can often ask God for more things in my life rather than asking for the gospel to be proclaimed in and through my life and for doors to be open. I'm guilty of this as much as anyone. Come on, we get so hyper-focused on the prisons we're in. Maybe the pain we're in. Maybe the afflictions we're in, the addictions we're in, the fear we're in. Fill in the blank for whatever prison you feel like you're in. And we neglect to think about the bigger picture of eternity. Paul demonstrates something so powerful here. He demonstrates the greatest commandment. What did Jesus say the greatest commandment is? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Paul demonstrates that in this moment, shows his devotion to God, and puts others above himself in the midst of a prison. That's making your life count. He shows people that even in the hardest situations, being hurt, being broken, abandoned, tired, broke, sick, hungry, lonely, that we are to place our focus and attention on others. And as Paul is in prison, he doesn't just write this book to the Colossian church. He also writes in this time in prison, he writes the book to the Philippian church and to the Ephesian church. And to Philemon, and in Philippians 4, 13, he's sitting in prison and he writes, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. How do you get something like that in the midst of your situation? Devoted to prayer, devoted to being watchful, devoted to thanksgiving. He also writes Ephesians 3, 20. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, imagine according to his power that's at work within us. How does he do that? Being devoted to prayer, being devoted to being watchful, being devoted to thanksgiving. Come on, he writes Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. He writes Philippians 1, 6. Be confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. He writes Philippians 4, 19. And my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Come on. He writes Philippians 2, 3. Value others above yourself. He writes Philippians 1.21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he writes Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. How do you do it? Be devoted to prayer. Be watchful and be thankful. we got to come with the right heart. Paul isn't stuck in the prison he's in his priority and focus is on others and that the gospel would be moved. Paul isn't stuck in the prison. He's pushing the gospel forward through every opposition. Every one of us hold the same opportunity, the same power to do this. He's calling us as believers. Come on, this hasn't stopped. Even though Paul writes this 1,960 years ago, it still just as alive and active today for believers we're being called to step it up to be people who take our eyes off of ourselves and put it on others proclaiming that doors would be open proclaiming that the mystery of Christ would be revealed proclaiming that there will be breakthrough in other circumstances proclaiming the clarity of communicating the gospel and when we believe and contend for that, I believe that that's when the lost are found. Come on, we got to make it count. Amen, church? So Paul finishes the section with these instructions. Colossians 4, 5 through 6. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace. Season with salt so that you will know how to answer everyone. See, Paul is... Simply just explaining here that we need to let our lives be examples for people to follow. That our impression might very well be the seed that leads them to salvation. And we gotta make the most of every opportunity, every conversation. For almost two years now, there's this restaurant owner that I've been inviting to church, a local restaurant owner. I've Been inviting him to church, messaging him all the time, going into the restaurant asking him, will you come to church? Will you come be a part of what's happening? One day, they, him and his wife even came out to a men's night and they sat there for a little bit and then they left and I was like, ah, man. But I never stopped. We followed each other on Instagram. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I post a lot of family and I post a lot of church. This is my life. It's family and it's church in that order. Okay, just so you know, you're second, you know what I'm saying? Family and church. And this guy that I've been asking to come for two years, I even saw some posts a couple months ago where I was like, ah, oh, he's, he's gone off the deep end and I, I don't know, but I continue to encourage him. He, he messaged me on Instagram. And he saw my post about my city group where we had 12 guys getting together, reading the Bible and praying for each other every Wednesday morning. He saw it and he goes, I need that in my life. Can I come to that? The first time he's asked, can he come? And so I was gonna cancel it because it's the day after 4th of July and I call Kirby, I'm like, we're still doing it, man. Even if it's just you and me, we are still doing our city group. I'm getting up early. I don't care how late I stay up. I've been working on this guy way too long for him not to come. Our devotion to prayer, our devotion to being watchful, our devotion to being thankful should impact everything in our lives to where our lives are examples that people want to follow. The way in which we live, people should want to be around it and understand it. We should be the example for people to follow. And our words and our actions, everything should lead people back to Jesus. You never know what the fruit looks like, but we need to make the most of every opportunity no matter what. Whether you're in a restaurant, you're in a family gathering, it's a post on social media, we're called to the devoted life. We gotta be devoted. We gotta be devoted. In every way, our lives should be devoted to God and should shine the light of Jesus at all moments. So church, would you stand to your feet? I wanna ask you a question. I wanna ask you this question. What would you do if today was your last day? What would you do? What do you really value? Are you gonna make it count every day? Tomorrow's not promised. What would you do? I challenge you today. Hold nothing back hold nothing back live a devoted life unto Jesus let the peripherals take care of themselves be faithful unto God be faithful in his church be faithful in the gathering be faithful in the praying be faithful in the watching be, be faithful in the sowing be faithful in the planting of seeds be faithful in the watering be faithful in the harvesting of souls you know what I'm saying like we have to be faithful we are devoted under Jesus, are you making every day count? Are you making every day count? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? It's maybe somebody under the sound of my voice today that you heard this sermon today and you go, man, I haven't even taken the first step to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord of my life. We're gonna give you a moment. I'm gonna simply count to three. This is just a moment for you to acknowledge that you want to surrender your life to Jesus. So just know this, that one, God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son so that you could know life and life for eternity. Two, the Bible says that today is a day of salvation. You don't need to wait any longer. You don't, need, you don't need to have all the answers. This is just a step of faith to simply acknowledge that you believe in Jesus. Three, if that's you, would you raise your hand? Anybody in the house? Anybody in the house? Beautiful everybody can look up at me. You know, I, I have an indifference with salvation calls and service. I never want to miss it. But since nobody raised their hand, I, I assume I'm talking to all believers. And this is important for you to understand. Church services aren't meant for salvation. Church services are meant for training and equipping the disciples to go see salvation in your workplaces, to go see salvation on the streets, to go see salvation in your homes. Are you with me? So I am totally okay when no one raises their hand because it's just a reminder for all of us to go and to make disciples as Jesus has called us to. Amen? I can't wait for the day when you come running in here and telling me, my coworker gave his life to Jesus. That restaurant owner, is coming to church with me for the first time because he acknowledges Jesus as Lord, amen. So God, we give you the glory for everything you've done in this house today. We thank you for Ballroom Church and the beautiful experience we've had together. We thank you that you do have good plans for us. We thank you for your faithfulness every step of the way. Would you bless us, would you equip us to be your disciples and to go and make disciples. Help us see the lost found. I pray, Lord, that we would live the devoted life for the rest of our lives until eternity comes. Lord, I thank you that you called us in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, 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 amen. amen. Well, we love you, church. Make sure you grab some coffee, hang out with people. We got another service coming up in the next 20 minutes. So go hang out with some people and we will see you on the steps next week. Thank you for listening to the Grace City, Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.